Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Welcome, Nathan. Welcome, Ed. Thank you for welcoming us. And yeah. Ed's phone's I already going off. 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 And I thought, I, you know, it's supposed to, when I turn it upside down, be silent. But I think well, I it may not, it <laughs> may not it work up. like you thought. Yeah, it but yeah. used to work that way. It's all right. Well, I'm glad you're here. Here we are. Epi- I'm, episode. I'm going to check what that was. Right all right, quick. check. You make sure it's not important. We're, we're now on our countdown of 10 to 100. We are episode 90. Yeah. Believe it or not, we made it to 90, and uh, we're going to roll on the 100. Mm-hmm. And then who knows what will happen. Something big's going to happen at 100, I feel like it. Y2K? Well, it might. That's at 200, I guess. Because we missed it 2000, I guess. We missed it the first time. Yeah, that's so. what it was. Really, it was all the Mayans in at our, whatever, 2012th episode, the Mayans were really predicting oh. the end of the world would happen okay. on the 2000th and 12th episode of this podcast. So, okay. I don't know if anybody knows this or not, it. but I was checking my texts, and when I came back, they were talking about the Mayans. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. He checked out of that part. I was, I was reading the text, and I came back and go, uh-oh. All right. What, what are Let we me, talking about now? I, I, I'll, I'll clear the deck for you, Ed, so we'll be back. We'll start back. Because we do have a lot to get to today. So we we're just going to get... always talk about the Mayans when I'm not... Yeah. If, and we're if, all about it. You, you check out. You never know where we're going to go. All right. I'll clear the deck. We've got a lot to talk about. Okay. Um, we're going we're gonna to do what we promised last week. We're going to continue a discussion that we started about... Well, it came. The idea came from a book that uh, Ed uh, was reading uh, that uh, we thought was important, but really is a concept about the Bible mm-hmm. and how to read it. Is that going to keep going off the whole... <laughs> oh, I can just you can, turn you it can mute it yourself. <laughs> you God, I thought I had muted it that time. Keep interrupting our fine right. podcast, Do Ed. Do not disturb. I pushed the big button. Nothing will happen now. Uh, so we I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't believe it. I could have left it in my office, which is what I should have done. Well, all right. So we have a segment, but I feel we left do. out. Jason always has his phone because it's keeping our time <laughs> to keep us hemmed in a little bit all here. All right. So we're talking Sorry about being envious. We're talking phone. about how not to read the Bible. Now, um, I think today what we want to get into is why is this so important? Yeah. Um, because there is something we see going on in culture and in our world today that has kind of made this a necessary discussion. Yeah. uh, The uh, sort of subtitle of this book is, or I guess I should say, when you begin to read it, the guy talks about the fact that for the first time maybe in history, or at least in certainly the recent history, people are actually losing their faith from reading the Bible. Mm. Mm. And a part of the reason is that is because of the way people have been taught to read the Bible. And uh, now with the internet and other things, I'm finding a lot of people wind up asking me questions and the reason it winds up coming, uh, it comes up is somebody's posted a meme or somebody, their kid or somebody has said something to them that they say is from the Bible. And when they go and look, it is from the Bible. Mm. And, and it's are, horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> and people yes. are using the Bible against the Bible. Yes. And it all comes down to understanding what the Bible is mm-hmm. and what it's not mm-hmm. and what it's trying to do. 
and how to understand some of those passages and a lot of the things. So what we want to talk about in this is, you know, they're probably the book really talks about. So we're going to just we're basically trying to do a review of the book in case you want to pick it up and read it, because it does have a lot of good stuff in it, is that people are beginning to have a hard time with ant, what they think of as anti-science pa- passages in the Bible. Okay. And uh, we'll talk about that at some point. Uh, pro-violence passages in the Bible, mm. particularly, you know, in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that. And people, I've had people say to me, you know, it's li- almost like God has a split personality. Yeah. yeah right. uh, mm-hmm. You say God's love, but what about, and bam, mm-hmm. there's this. Yep. Anti-women passages that are in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, pro-slavery passages that are in the Bible. And, uh, you know, the whole idea that there's only one way to God when it seems apparent, you know, God, if he's big enough, there ought to be more than one way Mm. uh, for that to take place. Okay. So we started last time by talking about the idea of you never read Bible verses. That was the big thing (laughs) we got to. And the reason for that is, uh, and I had not seen this I honestly, I've read the Bible ever since I've been a Christian and did not know this particular verse is in the Bible. And it's a meme the guy has in the book of that the Bible has passages that talks about unicorns. And mm-hmm. so the meme is there are unicorns listed more than once in the Bible. That's all you need to know about the Bible. <laughs> right. And it's a derogatory, you know, obviously everybody knows there are not any unicorns. Ain't never been no unicorns. <laughs> and the Bible talks about unicorns. Really? <laughs> My daughters don't know that. That's right. <laughs> so, and people are thrown by that because sure. when yeah, you yeah, go yeah. and look at the passage, uh, particularly the one they quote, which is from the King James well, Version. Well, I was going to say, you have to read the King James you Version. You have to read it in the King James Version uh, of the Bible. It does use the word unicorn. Yes, it does. And so, does that mean unicorns are real? Does it mean that the Bible's just a myth and it includes, you know, all the other books that include unicorns are myths? <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, you have to have a way to understand that. And if you've never seen those references before, I'll give them to you and you look them up in the King James Version. It's Numbers 22, 20, 23, 22, and Isaiah 34, 7. Uh, you, you know, you've, the first thing I would say to anybody is if you look in any other translation. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You will quickly see unicorns not there. Mm-hmm. But again, people who want to use the Bible to discredit the Bible, when you look at the King James Version, and I will say, particularly in the South, maybe this is true everywhere, there are large segments of people that say you can't read anything but the King James Version of the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a whole other podcast. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah, I know. So it does say unicorn in there. And, of course, there's an explanation for that. But the bigger issue of that that I wanted to really get at is that if, if you don't understand how to read the Bible, people can take verses and use them against you, and you won't have a real answer if it's just verse against verse. Right. That's right. You have to understand the whole overall scope of what's going on in the Bible, and that's what we really want to try well, to help you do. And, through. I, and I think what it comes down to is, especially a lot of folks, when they pull these verses out, um, they're assuming something about the Bible that the Bible never intended to be. Like exactly. it, they're pulling out verses and saying, well, see this, what the way they said it right here, that's not real or that's not scientific right. or whatever. As if the person writing was going, now, when I write this, it's going to be scientifically proven or sound. Right. Right. Well, that wasn't the intent of that no. verse or that phrase. It wasn't even what they were trying to convey. That's right. Mm-hmm. And 
when it comes to things like when you watch, uh, when you see the things like anti-women and those kind of things, what you don't understand is you're taking passages that are in a certain culture, moving them into our culture, and you don't know that most of what's happening in the Bible is actually moving women ahead of where they were in their right. culture. Yeah. But it feels so backwards to us mm-hmm. because we're 2,000 years later mm-hmm. that it feels like the Bible's holding it down. And I should say, a lot of men who have taught and led churches have used those passages to hold people down, sure. like the slavery passages were used in the wrong way to promote slavery. Yes. But the Bible itself is not doing that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, something I'd just key in on that issue just for a second, um, something that I just recently learned um, was that if the Bible was so pro-slavery, then it certainly uh, the, the people who were promoting slavery at the time didn't think so because there was a version of the Bible out right. there that they called the Slaves Bible where they actually went in and found all the stuff that talked about freedom and being out of bondage and all the stuff and that actually... It. And they took it out because they knew if we give these... If we give slaves the Bible and tell them to read it or, or read it to them then they're going to see that the Bible's against it. So we got to pull those things out. And so they basically cherry-picked so that it would seem to skew that way. Right. And so the because they understood that the overall trajectory of the gospel was leading us away from things like that. That's exactly right. So I think, too, you know, the idea that many people have, and so I'll just take, like, slavery or, uh, you know, uh, kind of, anti-women versus, or even the anti-science versus. I remember having several conversations with several different people about this idea that if God is an eternal God Mm. and he's all-knowing and all that, he should write an eternal book that, like, he's in the book because God already knew at some point we would move beyond Mm -hmm. slavery. He should, it should just... It should just be in there for all time, but it's a really it's it's a misunderstanding of who God is. It really comes more from uh, Greek philosophy than anything. This idea that there would be there would be just this book that dropped from the heavens that all came as one package at one time, and it was all delivered to me to give me a manual for life. And it's a misunderstanding of what the Bible is, or even how God reveals Himself. Um, that God, he is a personal God, so God reveals himself personally. Mm -hmm. And even the Bible, what we have, is how God is revealing himself personally through these writers and through all of those contexts. And so um, many of us, I think, even have this idea when we think of the Bible as being inspired by God, um, I certainly had growing up, I don't think I particularly had this image, but I remember thinking a lot of us have it almost if God possessed a person's body mm-hmm. and the person's eyes just rolled back in their head and they were just writing down sentences because right. God, God, they, the person did nothing. God himself yeah. was moving the fingers and making that happen. But that doesn't line up even with the stories that we see in the Bible that God, by inspiring, God is working through people and he's using their personalities and their cultures, their understanding. So when you talk about science, it's their understanding of the world Mm -hmm. because they're communicating. God using human language is already God coming down to our level. That's right. Because God does not communicate. I I love the word accommodating. I got that from Greg Boyd, one of my favorite uh, scholars. He talks about how if God... God is God, 
who God we right. know God to be, then his entire relationship with humankind has to be a constant accommodation. He's having to condescend or come right. into the into the world in a way that they those people at that time and place can understand and relate to. And so everything God does is an accommodation. Us sitting here can look back at accommodations that he was making 2,000 years ago and think, why in the world? That's not who God is. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, we know that. Right. But in that culture, it was the way God had to work in order to move them to eventually where he wants right. us all to be, the kingdom of God. So what, what everything I see people describing as these, you know, problem passages or whatever are, are just misunderstandings of that concept. They are. And really, really just not understanding the intention of the Bible, what the Bible right. actually is. Mm-hmm. The Bible, as we've said, and we steal this directly from the Bible Project guys, of mm-hmm. the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. Mm-hmm. The, the heart of the story of the Bible, and you see this in the New Testament of the apostles who knew the Old Testament inside and out. Mm-hmm. They're taking passages of Scripture that were not originally ever seen as pointing to Jesus. And they, because they know those passages and they knew Jesus, they (laughs) give us the new inside meaning of these things. They know that all was a story to get to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is why, you know, that passage where... uh, um, and I lost it. Philip gets taken to the Ethiopian eunuch, yeah. and it says he's reading a passage, and it says Philip started at that passage mm-hmm. yeah. because they understood the Old Testament all led to Jesus. Mm-hmm. He could have been reading any passage. Now, he yeah. happened to be reading a really good yeah. one yeah, that yeah. was fit that the Holy Spirit also, I believe, had him on that page. Sure. He did. But, you know, he could have started anywhere and led yeah. to Jesus because the whole story leads to Jesus. In fact, I was just answering, I told Jason earlier today, I was asking, answering a question that come in to us online through one of the things we do about the Messiah and where that's talked about. Well, we know that it begins to be talked about in the third chapter of Genesis. Yeah, right? absolutely. You know, the whole story leads to Jesus. It's yeah. not Isaiah that the first prophecy happens. It happens right in the beginning mm-hmm. that, that it's, it's ta- pointing to Jesus. So, Which is why all these books have been compiled in the way that they have, because they are a, a piece leading us somewhere. Right. Right. And, and that's the other thing is people don't understand is they think the Bible is a book. It's not a book. It's not a book. <laughs> it's a collection of writings over... Thousands of years of many, many different authors in many different places. The amazing thing is that they all co- do come together and have a unified thing. Right. Yeah. Once you understand it, but you you yeah. do need to see that at some points I'm walking into the art section of the library. Uh, yeah. It's poetry mm-hmm. and there's music and I'm walking there. Some parts is history and it reads like historians write. It's often dry and a lot of stats. Then there's a whole bunch of that is just fast-paced narrative of what's going on, and that's exciting. But mm-hmm. it's not all told in the same style, by the same people, with the same voices. Yeah. It, well, and they saw themselves as all in the same line because they're constantly referencing one another. So it's not like um, the book of Daniel was written as like, well, here's just a cool account of things that happened in Babylon at this period right. of time. Daniel sees himself as 
as a part of this story God is telling that is also referential of other previous scriptures that we have because the idea is we're all telling the same story and it's leading to the same thing. Even at that time, they had a concept that God is going to do something mm. through some messianic, messiah, king, whatever language they would have used, a prophet, a king, whatever. God is going to at some point do something that's going to end all these things. And it's even why some of these, you take New Testament passages, people take out of context. When they talk about in the last days, these things will happen. And people think, oh, that's some future coming thing. Those people are talking about what's happening now because they're referring to the last days. The thing that we were all waiting for, this what they would call the end of the age, and we think of end of age, end times as being something that's coming, they would have seen it as there was this age before the Messiah came, and everything after the cross changed everything. So therefore, in the last days, which is, these are the last days, and they have been for 2,000 years since Mm -hmm. Jesus rose from the dead, there's a new way of life. And so I think when you see all these things, and you see these, these books are being written in such a way to help us understand... There is a God who intervenes in our world and he acts in unpredictable ways and we are just trying to catch up with what he's doing. And and everything I read, I look at, and I even see some things, because there are things written in the book of Psalms that you will read. And I've talked on here before, I read the book of Psalms every, every day. But there are things you read that are statements about God that because of Jesus, we know, oh, that's not really true of God. And it's, that doesn't mean that it's conflicting. If you understand that the point of the Psalms is to teach us how we can approach God and that when I'm really angry, I want God to be vengeful and to destroy entire nations and his wrath and to do, and to move out. And so it's okay for me to come to God with that. And then as we talked about in our Lord's Prayer sermon, to then submit that to God and go, but I know that's not how you work. I just wanted you to know that's what I really, because hmm. I'll say this. There are times in parenting, uh, we, we were having a conversation last night with a group of parents, one of, one of the parents said, and I just wanted to smack my kid. And <laughs> what we all, and if someone goes, okay, we need to call the police, because <laughs> yeah. what every parent knows is you're venting that to say, but I know I never would do that. Of course. I would never, I would never actually do that. There's a way, and that's within the Psalms. But if, once again, you just read a verse and it says, God, I want God to dash the babies against the rocks, you're like, well, I guess God wants to dash babies against rocks and you go but that's not the point and we know there's historical context for all those things but it's important to understand everything is leading to Jesus and there's something at the cross that changed everything about the course of human history and the way we can interact with God and that's what's important yep and, and so I think what I would want to get to at this point in this Bob in this book thing was to get at so it's really important you know how to read the Bible. And uh, a lot of times, I'm not saying anything against devotional books or Mm. reading a verse at a time, because I had somebody had to listen, they said, you said don't read, but you know, my devotional. That's okay, as long as you understand that may not be what the verse was talking about. And if you Mm -hmm. go and then say, Mm -hmm. this is what the Bible says, you may be wrong. You have to start with the fact and we've said this in different ways on here. The Bible is not written to us. Yeah. Yeah. It is for us, which means it is useful to us. It's useful to help us live the life that God wants us to live. But it was not addressed in your language 
to you to address your current situation you're in today. So yeah. to understand whatever passage you are reading, to go into it and think, I need to know what God wants me to do today about this certain thing. So I'm a randomly, because I've had people tell me, and this yeah. works for me every time, Ed. I just, I pray <laughs> and then I randomly open up and it's for me. Well, that's called reading into the Bible. That's right. Sure. And I'm not saying God doesn't use that and that yeah. God doesn't help you through that. I'm just saying that isn't what the Bible is saying. Well, there's a difference. Like, for instance, and I've always harped on this verse, so I'll just take it. The verse that I've heard people use is, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. And I've, I know a lot of people who will take that verse out and they'll, and they'll use that as a verse to encourage themselves to be... Sure. Uh, strengthened, to be more courageous, to, uh, to, to be more confident in God, in his presence in their life. If that's what you're using that verse for, there's nothing wrong with all of those sentiments that, that the Holy Spirit inspired in you in that moment to go out and do these great things and, and be confident in God. That's a good thing. But if you then take that verse out and say, that literally means that every single person can do whatever they want to do because right. Jesus is going to let them do it or, or strengthen them to do it. Well, you have done violence to the, to the That's word. That's not what Paul was saying. And those are two different things. Yeah. The, and, the other one, and I think I mentioned this in the notes that I sent mm -hmm. you guys on this, is the Jeremiah passage. I know the plans I have for you. Yeah. Plans. Sure. And if you take that and think, God knows, I'm in a really tough time right now, and God knows that... What I have in my heart, that's going to come to pass. And people print it up yeah. and they wear it on T-shirts and they print it in their office. As long as you understand that that passage is actually God disappointing the people <laughs> and saying, hey, you know, you're about to go through some mess. Yeah. You're going to be in captivity. All y'all going to die in captivity. But I know the plans that I have for your people. Mm -hmm. yeah. And somewhere down the road, you won't see it. No. <laughs> but, and none of them did. No. The one who wrote that didn't see no, it. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, the guy who wrote it, Jeremiah, he's called the weeping. <laughs> no, that's Ezekiel. Which one is the Is it Jer Jeremiah gets thrown in a cistern? Jer I it's said Jeremiah is the one who wrote Lamentations. So yeah. I think that's yeah, right. Yeah, I he think gets so. Every time he preaches to somebody, they beat him up. Of course. Yeah, he gets thrown in a cistern and left there. Nobody wants to be around him. Yeah. His life is terrible, and he's the one that wrote, I know the plans I have yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah, and and so you know, people take that verse and they think, well, that verse was about God's plans for my life in my just my little circle, and I can take that and apply it. Well, uh, no, not really, because that's not what it was written about. Well, if you but, take it to mean God has a purpose in this world, He's at work in it, and you do have a part. And you're a part of that. It may that you didn't get the starring role that you wanted. Mm. God does have a plan. Mm -hmm. God is at work, and in the future. You may see what part you played. It may not at all turn out like you want. If you can put your hope in that, you will never be disappointed. Yes. And I think important in this discussion is to say, in saying that you need to understand what was meant behind it, we don't mean by any means to put a pressure on you to feel like no. I have to have a yeah, deep right. theological knowledge or that that you can't understand. I think an important thing to mention is that the Bible is not an informational book, right. which is why you can't just, it's not a reference book. It's, it's not why a, you don't read a verse. It's mm -hmm. why you don't read a verse because it's not about information. I think honestly, one of the best versions I heard anyone say of what said, the Bible is meditative literature, that it is designed to be something that I read 
over and over and over and over and over again. I don't just read and go, well, I've read the book of Jeremiah now, so I never have to read the book of, or I've read the story of Jesus. I never have to read the story of Jesus because I have all the information because we're in discipleship groups where we read the gospels of Jesus over. There's never, there hasn't been a story where I've read and said, Jesus did what? Because my whole life I've been in the church. I've heard these stories. Now, there have been details I didn't notice. But even that's not, that's always been like, huh. Mm -hmm. Like, that's never been life-changing for me. It's been, huh, I'd never noticed that. The idea behind meditative literature is that I think on it again and again and again. It begins to form the way I see the world and other people. But that isn't done in a context of me by myself. It is why we have to have the church, that the church is formed also by the scriptures, that we're, we're involving those things. We have things like communion, where every week we point our worship, we point the purpose of the Bible to, it's all about the, cru- the crucifixion, the resurrection, everything's read through that. So to say all that, there is a purpose still for theologians who, who sit and uh, study the scriptures, to help us understand the context. There's a point of pastors who can then take that knowledge and who can apply it to your life and your context. There's still a point for you in the context of your small group and your discipleship group to say, hey, here's something I'm learning. And someone to say, like Jason said, yeah, that's not the exact point of that scripture, but that what you took from it is, is a good leading thing. you towards Jesus. Yes, that's a good is. thing. And that's that's, exactly that's right. the point of meditative. It isn't that I look to because as the three of us do, you read enough commentaries or enough theologians, not all theologians agree on what the point of each verse is. So there is no, this is the point of this verse because it's not about reading verses. All of us though agree, hey, the point of the scriptures is to make us more like Jesus, is to lead us to a cruciform, cross-like love. And so the, the point that we'd want to get at this point in this book is, again, this is for those places where you wind up being that people use the Bible against you. And it is not good enough for you to say, well, you just have to believe it. Right. Mm-hmm. That One, that doesn't help the mission of God because it's not going to, the person, you have to then go, okay, I did get a meaning out of this and it helped me in my life. But let me, let me tell you what the Bible's about. Mm-hmm. The Bible is one unified story that leads to Jesus. And that verse, though I don't currently know what it means, <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you there is a way to read that that doesn't mean what you just said it would mean. Mm -hmm. And if we get out of 1611 language, we quickly know, okay, that Bible meant that that particular thing that got translated unicorn in 1611 meant an animal with a single horn. That's it. And they didn't think of a mythical beast. And it's not translated that anywhere in more modern English. There was nobody in 1611 that also thought it was. They just, they'd never seen animals in the part of the world where King James was, where there were animals with a single horn. (laughs) So they just knew that's what the word was. So they translated the way they would. Uni, one, (laughs) corn, a horn. (laughs) And so that, and then, you know, here we are all these years later, and we think that is a mythical thing. Well, there's a way around that that doesn't get you where you want to. So I I think that's where I'd want to stop on this for this. We'll talk about this again in the future. The important part for you is just to remember the Bible's not written to you, so you can't start with what does it mean to me in my current context. You must go to what did it mean to the people it was originally written to. 
They were written in a context. And even then with translations as old as a 1611, you must go to what did it mean to them when those translators translated it. Absolutely. So, which is why we continued when people say, why there's so many translations? Well, the, language. English, the English language has evolved. It's changing all the all time. All the time. So, Okay. All right, so we'll come back to that, as Ed said. We'll have that discussion a little bit further. Uh, we'll do it again next week. But for now, for uh, to wrap things up, I wanted to grab a question that somebody sent in to us, and uh, um, we, really because it's kind of pertinent to what's been going on. This person, obviously, is watching our daily prayer thing yeah. that we've been doing. Maybe so everybody doesn't know about Yeah, that. so maybe if you didn't know about it, we decided to start doing daily prayer times, actually twice a day, Monday through Friday, on Facebook, live with our congregation. So in the morning at 6.30, Nathan always does the morning time, and he leads our congregation in prayer live on Facebook. And then at 5.30, Ed and I are sort of trading off, ending our day in prayer and you know uh, interacting with people right there uh, live on Facebook. So... Uh, this question comes out of that experience. Somebody asked this. They said, recently on the daily prayers, I heard Ed say this. He said, on Saturday, we take a Sabbath break. Then we come together to worship on Sunday to remember the Lord's resurrection. I've always said that Sunday was the Sabbath. Is that right? Is Sabbath an Old Testament command that we don't even need to think about, not working and all those kinds of things? Or is it something that followers of Jesus should have as a part of their lives? And then they end it by saying, thanks for the podcast and thanks for answering questions. Oh, so you, you are very Thank welcome. You, so we're going to answer your question right now. So Ed, since you're the one that said that, we'll let you describe what you meant by that. Yeah, well, what I meant by, historically, you know, the Sabbath was Saturday. It's from Friday night, 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. on, that's the way the Jewish Sabbath worked. Mm -hmm. And so it is technically a Saturday thing, but in the overall thing, it just means, it does mean a break from what you normally do. It means rest. It's a, it's a rest, mm -hmm. it's a, a stopping, and it's coming to a place where you do something different yeah. to focus your mind in a different way, and they would stop work and everything, particularly to focus and worship God. Mm -hmm. So... When I said that, what I was meaning is we're doing this five days a week. We stop on Saturday. It's a Sabbath rest, really, for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, uh, not that we don't pray on Saturday, but we're not leading you in pray. Then we prepare for the first day of the week, which, you know, the Christians uh, then took Sunday because that was the day of the Lord's resurrection. Mm -hmm. And uh, they actually called it the eighth day. In the early day of, of Christianity, they were known as eighth day people because it was a whole new era. Yeah. It wasn't, there had only been seven days a week. Now there's an eighth day. It's the new day. It's the day of the Lord. Yeah. And so that's why Sunday is now when Christians around the world typically yeah. worship. And I would, I would address part of the question that you asked said, is, is this just, is that whole Sabbath thing? Is that just an Old Testament thing? We can throw it away and New Testament Christians don't need it. I, I would say if you mean in terms of is it a law that we must follow, then the answer is no. But uh, the concept mm -hmm. of, of Sabbath rest carries over to oh, yeah. believers today, and it's something that I believe, is, it, again, not in the sense that it is a new law or, or a law that we should follow, but a rhythm of life that God gave us as a gift. Yeah, you know, it, and Jesus Himself, when 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 the scholars would come at Him, you know, if you read your Gospels and say you can't do this on the Sabbath, you're breaking the Sabbath, and they would be, get hard on the law. Jesus would say, "Now, guys, let's all remember the 
the people weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was given to you for people. And what he was saying was, God gave this to you as a gift. This is a benevolent, loving, gracious God who says, hey, take a day off. Mm-hmm. Take some time because you need it. Yep. Even, even God, now let's, be, let's all be honest because we know how to read the Bible. <laughs> God don't need to rest, right. but God did. Right. So what is he trying to tell us through that? You know, the whole mm-hmm. creation story, and God rested on the seventh day. That was, again, an accommodation that our right. Father was saying to us, let me, let me show you how to do life and, and, and receive uh, life from it, <laughs> rather than just beating yourself to death for seven whole days without any stopping. You were, weren't made for that. And I don't know if anybody else has this. I have, in either because of the way I raised or personality or whatever, I have a very hard time not being productive. That's right. My my body, my mind, my spirit mm-hmm. is conditioned toward when I even on days when I have days off and I'm just going to try to take it easy. If I do that too much, I begin to think of I should be I should do something. Isn't there yeah. something I can do to make a difference? There's there, something wrong with you if you don't. Yeah, I just sort of feel like that. Mm-hmm. But when I really do it, I am there is a rest that comes to me, and it reminds me, you know, world went on okay. I didn't do anything that really mm-hmm. helped anybody. I didn't really do anything that moved anything forward. Mm-hmm. And um, God was okay, and the world was okay, and people moved forward, and it reminded me. I'm not really in charge of everything that happens around yes. here. That's yeah. that's a great benefit. And I've known some people in um, just some really, probably in, in some really um, fundamental kind of ways uh, of interpreting this whole Sabbath thing is now they've said, well, you know, we're Christians, so the Sabbath is not on Saturday night. Now it's Sunday, and you can't work and do all this stuff on Sunday. And, I, and again, I would just go back to that whole thing of this is not a rule. This is not a law. This is something that was given for you, and I think we all need Sabbath. So if, if you take a Sabbath on Sunday afternoon or maybe your off days, my off days is a Friday. Right. And so I, I tend to not do much on a Friday, but sometimes I do. Right. But there's a rhythm in my life mm-hmm. where I am taking time for, like you said, to be nonproductive. Right. <laughs> to just allow God's world to just spin. Right. And me not have to try and make it so. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the point that that whole concept of Sabbath was given for. And I think that's the way we should look at it as New Testament Christians today. Yeah. And we have to remember the Sabbath wasn't originally in place. It didn't come about through Moses and the law. It yeah. was in place long before the law. Sure it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to creation. Yeah. Okay. So I hope that answers uh, your question that, that, that we, you know, the, when, what Ed said when he used that as an example was just in that in that uh, in that spirit. I yep, guess that's what it, that's what I was trying to get to. All right, so we got we actually have a couple more questions that came in, but we don't have time to get to them today. So I'm gonna hold those over till next week. Uh, so next week we'll come back. We'll do a little bit more discussion about how not to read the Bible and some more specific stuff we want to talk about. And I got two questions on prayer. So okay. both of these questions, I don't know if the same person sent them in, but they are about the same topic. So I thought we'll do those together. They're about prayer, and we'll talk about that next week. So y'all have a great one, and we'll see you here next time.